uh, we're excited to be together. I tell you this from the bottom of my heart. Last Easter was rough. It just, I grew up in church. The joke is that they barely took a Sunday off to have me. I was born on a Monday. Um, and uh, I tell you, I've been in church on Easter every Sunday of my life since that moment. And last year was hard. How many of you think that this past year has been kind of difficult? You've had some, some of your own issues and challenges, but I thank God that we're living in today. Amen. I'm glad that we're back in this room, back in his house. Amen. Give him praise today. He's worthy. And when all seems dark or darkest, God shines the brightest. Amen. So I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Um, this time, uh, at this time, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible with you this morning, if not, we'll have it on the screen. But I want to, as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord from the dead, I want us to read through the account that we find in Matthew of his resurrection. The title of my message today is what the resurrection has accomplished. Last week's message I preached was what the cross has accomplished. And I believe that that was a powerful message. I got blessed listening back to it. <laughs> um, it was a powerful message for me in my own life. And I hope that this one is a powerful message for you in your life. Let's look at what Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10 say. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Look up at me for a second. How would you like to be known as the other Mary? <laughs> I just, I thought that was funny. Number two, or verse two, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I would say you and I would do the same thing. Verse five says, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. What a powerful moment, not only in history, but in all of eternity. The resurrection, though, is not just a grand act of supernatural power. Jesus turned water into wine. He fed thousands of people with a handful of food. He did some amazing, miraculous things. But this is not just a miracle. This is the miracle of all miracles. To have risen from the dead by the power of God. 
And the resurrection signifies a couple things to us. It signifies that God has power over all things. Can I get an amen? amen. Say the word all. all. Fill, in the, fill in the blank. All things. Over every relationship, over every demonic power, over every disease, over every issue that we faith, face, including death. God has power over all things. And I want you to hear me today. Death is the result of the curse. And Jesus has reversed the curse. Amen. His defeating of death is what brings us the knowledge that we too can live in eternity. So Easter is the fulfillment of the promise of God. Here's how Paul explained it to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. Verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Jump down to verse 17. It says this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Listen to that. The Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth, and he's saying, if Christ, if all of this is a lie, and he didn't really raise from the dead, then you are without hope, because you're still in your sins. It goes on to say, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Otherwise, those who have died, believers in Christ, have died, and they're dead forever. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. In Adam all die, so also in Christ, everyone who is in Christ shall be made alive. This is the power and the truth of the gospel. Look at what verse 47 says. It says, The first man was from the earth. He was a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And was as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. In other words, we are all Adam. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. So what Paul is communicating to them is there's got to be a secondary experience besides your natural birth. There must be this experience of a rebirth because you've been born as a man or a woman. We use that term generally speaking. You've been born a human on this earth, but you must also be born again spiritually. So verse 49, it says this, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. He finishes out this passage in chapter 15, verse 54. When the perishable, that's that which can be thrown away or can expire, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then, look at what it says, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because he is victorious over death, I can be victorious over sin. Isn't that good news? That's good news. So what does the resurrection mean and what has it really accomplished? The first thing that it means is this. Jesus is who he claimed to be. I've had a couple good teachers in my life. Two of them are actually in the room with me today. Hi, mom and dad. They, they were marooned on an island in the northeast for quite some time, but the Lord rescued them and set them free and brought them to us for a time. And so we're excited that they're with us today. Um, I've had some good teachers in my life. My dad was one of my high school teachers. People accused me of nepotism or, you know, maybe getting off easy, but that was not the case. I feel like dad gave me some extra homework sometimes just to prove a point. My mom homeschooled me, me and my brother at different points in our lives. I can still tell you the name of my first grade and kindergarten teacher. I can tell you my high school teacher. I told my daughters the other day, I don't really remember all the bad ones as much as I remember all the good ones. So here's the thing. You say, Pastor, why are you telling me your life story? Because there are so many misguided people in this world that just think Jesus was a good teacher. Here's the thing. A good teacher would not claim to be God. I could give you some lessons on morality and how to live your life, and you could call me a good teacher. But if I claimed to be God, you would probably take that back. So Jesus is more than just a good teacher. He is who he claimed to be. Look at what John eleven twenty five 25 says. It says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So Jesus made some outrageous claims while he was here on earth. He said things like, I'm God. I'm perfect. I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the savior of the world. And we cannot just relegate Jesus to a good teacher, although he was an excellent teacher or the best teacher of all. But he was so much more than that and is so much more than that. He basically tells the disciples numerous times that because of the things he said, I am God, I am perfect, I am the way, all of those things. He basically said, what I'm going to do is going to validate that claim of who I am. So his resurrection backs up what he claimed. And you'll find there's an interesting plot that happens in the details of the resurrection that are recorded in all four Gospels. There's an interesting detail. You should take time to read it with your family this this day, this week. But there was a plot because the reason why guards were sent there was because they thought the Jewish people were going to steal the body of Jesus and then take him away and say he had been resurrected. But I can tell you, there are some men probably in heaven today who used to wear Roman uniforms who were standing guard that day when the angel rolled that stone away. Amen? Jesus has the power, the second thing that it means, Jesus has the power that he claimed to have. Have you ever tried to help somebody who said, I got this, and then you just kind of look back and go, you don't really got this. Looks like you need some help. 
uh, that, that sort of thing happens and you might laugh because you know somebody like that, you're married to somebody like that, or because maybe you remember you are like that. But Jesus has the power that he actually claimed to have. He said this while on the earth. He said, all power on earth and in heaven is given to me. So because he was God, he did everything that God could do. Look at what it says in John 10 verse 18. He says, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord or of my own free will. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. No force could keep him in the tomb. The Romans killed him and they put him in that tomb. They put that big stone in front of the tomb. And they sealed it with those 24 hour round the clock guards. They were trying to prevent the inevitable. But God. Amen. He has all the power in the world. Think about that. He has all the power in the world. He has the power to heal. He has the power to make the blind eyes see. He has the power to raise the dead. He has the power to forgive sins. He has the power to promote you on your job. He has the power to heal your marriage. He has the power. Amen. God is so good. Jesus has the power that he claimed to have and I can give my life to him and he can take control. So what else does the resurrection mean? The third thing that it means is this. Jesus does what he promises. How many of you have ever broken a promise? You thought I was going a different direction, didn't you? How many of you have ever had a promise broken, right? Somebody made a promise and then they broke it. But if we're honest, everybody here today, we have all made a promise and not kept it. I'm sure if I brought my children to a microphone today, they might be able to talk about a promise that I made that I didn't keep. I'm not perfect, but I serve a God who is, who keeps all of his promises. Look at what Mark chapter 10 verse 34 says. And I know I'm going quick because I know we have an Easter egg hunt and we've got kids in the room and you've got special time with family today. But I want you to understand this. Jesus keeps his word. Amen. It says this. They will mock him and spit on him and torture him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. See, the cross was not a surprise to Jesus. He knew that he was going to the cross and that it was part of God's plan. Look at what it says. Just remind yourself of that earlier passage we read. Matthew 28, verse 5 through 6. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he promised Just as he said he would, if he kept that promise, he'll keep all the other ones too. What what a mighty God we serve. So then it leads me to a second question, which is what has the resurrection accomplished? And here's my thought. Because Jesus is who he claimed to be, because he has all the power that he says he has, and because that he keeps his promises... I am confident of this thing, that my past can be forgiven. Your past 
can be forgiven. Every human's past can be forgiven. Look at what Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 and 14 say. I love this. The Apostle Paul, such a powerful writer and encourager to the church. He said this, And you who were dead in your sin, in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. Verse 14 says, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all of its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. I love that we had some retro worship this morning. I started getting, getting in my feels, remembering what it was like to sing those songs as a kid. It blessed my heart. The other song that came to mind as I thought of this, and you know I quote songs quite often, but he paid a debt that I could not pay. I owed a very massive debt that there was no hope that I would ever work myself out of that debt. But he paid it for me. The Bible says that he's taken all of our guilt and all of our shame and all of our sin. And I don't have to pay a dime for it. I do have to give my life to him. And I have to walk in obedience to him. But he's taken all of that. He wants to forgive your past. And here's the thing. Sometimes we as Christians... This is going to veer a little bit off the path, but bear with me for a second. Sometimes we as Christians are gluttons with God's word. I have a strong warning in my heart in the preparation of this message. That we can be here today and have all the feels of how good God is to us. And be self-righteous and selfish and not share this hope with the world. We need to make sure that we understand the depth of God's love and not keep it to ourselves, that we share it with those around us. Man, I love this. He's canceled every record of the debt you owe. Emotional debts, relational debts, all the sin, all of it canceled. And this is good news. Look at what Romans 8 verse 1 says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And John 3.17, we always quote John 3.16, but many people don't know John 3.17. It says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The truth is, he wants to change you. He wants to help you. He wants to give you a new beginning. He wants to give you a clear conscience. He wants you to share this news with the world. The second thing is this. I can be sure, not only can my past be forgiven, but my present problems can be managed. How many of you have ever felt like you were out of control? Parents, raise your hand. There are times where you just feel like there is stuff you cannot control. And you know this to be factual. It's true. It's actually true. It's not just a cop out. There are things in our lives that we cannot control. 
but God can. So we should ask him for his help so that he can help us control it and manage those problems and get us the healing that's needed. I've heard people say things like, I feel powerless to, fee- to change my situation. Or I feel powerless in this relationship. Or I, I just don't see a way how I can get out of this debt. Or I'm having a really hard time managing my time or my finances or my schedule. We need a power outside of ourselves to help us. Because I have great news. You are not good enough. That's great news. You might, you might hear that salty, but it's not. It's great news that you're not good enough. That means that I have to go outside of my source to someone who is better and who is good enough. And that means my God who has all the power, who said, who does what he says he'll do and keeps his promises surely can help me in my present problems. This is a good message for Easter. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and neither do you. You don't know what your future holds. Last year in January, as we rang in a new year and we said, Happy New Year. 2020 is going to be the best year ever. It's great. Well, we were wrong and bad stuff happened. And my heart goes out to those who we know some people who have lost their life in the midst of this pandemic. The world has gone dark over the last year. People have been secluded and quarantined and stuck inside and away from social interaction, away from their church family. There have been some crazy moments in our lives that we could not control, but God can. Amen? God absolutely can, and we can turn to him and get the help that we need. Even though it's out of our control, it's not out of God's. And the number three thing that the resurrection means to me is that my future can be secured. Amen? Kids, look up at me. I want to tell you something. Sad news. We're all going to die. And you say, Pastor, what in the world are you doing? 100% of us are going to die. And when I was a kid, their age, I had dreamed, God, please don't let me die till I get married and have kids and family. Now I say, God, please don't let me die until I walk my girls down the wedding aisle and I hold my grandbabies for the first time. God, please don't let me die until, and we want to stay here. Our hearts do want to stay here, but our future is somewhere else. Our future can be secured. But the thing is, is death is a universal problem. 100% of us will face it. I'm going to die someday. I just hope it's before my wife. And so are you. (laughs) Honey, I don't know what what I'm going to do without you. So I want to die before you. We've talked about this. We have. We have. She's, she's not unprepared for that, that, that talk. But here's the thing. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for something that they know is inevitable. Only a fool. You say, Pastor, this is really simple language. Can I use this with my friends at work? Yes. 
only an unwise person who the, even the unwise know that this is coming, that death is coming. So why not help prepare them? Sometimes we get so busy in the here and now, we don't stop to think of what's coming in the future. They asked some children to write sentences about what they believed about death. And I want to read to you some of those things. A girl the age of eight years old said this, when you die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. She's not wrong. Another girl, age nine, said, Doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bill. (laughs) Another nine-year-old said, When you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is there. Which I'm guessing she didn't think her teacher was going to make it. And a little boy, age 10, wrote this. He said, a good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. So that's their thoughts about death and the afterlife. The truth is, one day, all of us will stand before a holy and a righteous God. And I want you to be ready And I don't want you to hold it in and keep it to yourself. I want you to share with others what the resurrection has accomplished. The Bible says about the future that heaven is a perfect place. It's got total love, total peace, total joy, total perfection. There's no sin. There's no mistakes. There's no evil. It's going to be beautiful. There's no errors. It's perfect in every way. The bad news is only perfect people can get into it because God doesn't allow sinners to get into it. He allows those who are perfect to be in his presence. You say, Pastor, explain that a little bit more. He makes me perfect when I accept his love and his forgiveness. He makes me a part of his family that earns the right for me to be in heaven with him forever. And I'm so glad that he sent his son to die for me. John 17 verse three says this, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Worship team, would you come and join me today? At the close of our service every week, we give you this opportunity to just reflect on the message, the teaching that you heard, and also have a moment in God's presence where you commit yourself to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're with us or you're seeing us online on Facebook and you have not given yourself over to the Lord. You've not accepted his love and his forgiveness. Maybe you did what my Baptist buddy says he did, which is, I walked an aisle when I was six years old. Isn't that good enough? It's not. Having a living relationship with Jesus every day is what matters. Walking this life with him every day. So maybe you say, Pastor, I've never made that commitment, or I remember I walked an aisle when I was six or seven years old. But today, I feel further away from him than I've ever felt before. You can come home. 
He's a forgiver of mistakes. This is the good news of the gospel. If he wasn't a forgiver of mistakes, then none of us would be here today, amen? But if you're a believer here today and you've already given your heart to the Lord, your life to the Lord, and you're walking with him, you're obeying scripture and trying to grow in your relationship with him, then the good news of the gospel cannot be kept a secret. There's a small moment in history where they were told, shh, don't tell anybody. Just let this play out. But outside of that, they were instructed. In fact, the final act of Jesus was go and shout it from the rooftops. Tell everyone on every continent, in every land, whatever their language, whatever their socioeconomic status, tell them that I love them, that I've got a plan for them, and that I'm coming back for them. We've got to share this news with others more often than we do. Would you stand with me today? As you stand and prepare your hearts, we're going to have just this song of worship and celebration at the end. But I want to encourage you to have a private altar and a place right where you're standing. Close your eyes with me right now. Make a commitment in your heart to the Lord today. And for goodness sake, let your heart be filled with thankfulness that your past has been forgiven, that your present is being helped by the God of the universe and that your future is secure. And commit to him your life today. If you've never done it before, it's simple. Lord, I believe that you're the savior of the world that you died on a cross for me and that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. I give you my heart and my life and I call you Lord and Savior. It's that simple of a prayer, but we've got to live it out afterwards. Father, I pray for Celebrate Church that this church would be reaching out, evangelistic in spirit and behavior, Lord, I thank you that we're not in 2020 any longer and that we have things to celebrate this year together. But God, I pray above all of those things, you would help us to keep you at the center of it all. You are the reason that we have life and it more abundantly. So God, I pray for the believers here today, help them to have a passion to share this good news with others. And Lord, help us to be the ones that go and tell everyone that you love them and have a plan for their life. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Let's worship the Lord and celebrate today.